feel like, okay, come up a little. This morning, I want to give a special shout out to all the people who are tired. <laughs> Anybody? Is your soul weary? <laughs> are you physically exhausted? Are you overwhelmed or burnt out? Maybe you're a little all of the above. If your heart is spent or broken, if your anxiety is through the roof, if you just can't catch a break, or if you are at a loss from all the craziness in this world, I feel you, I see you, you are not alone. And I pray that there is some level of comfort or hopefulness or at least helpfulness that you can take away from these words today. The truth is, I find myself overwhelmed a lot lately. Like all of you, I have my own personal stressors, my own relationships, and of course, my love for this church. And don't get me started on the rest of the world, all the isms and phobias I can't seem to unsee, the weekly mass shootings, our unjust and downright evil immigration policies, the fires in the Amazon, our overall treatment of the earth, and all the uncomfortable realities that this is waking me up to right now. Sometimes I wish I could just stop thinking about all these things. But the fact is, I can't put them aside and do my job well. I can't write a sermon without considering what's going on in here and out there. There's something tricky about doing this kind of ministry. This is the kind of ministry we're in together, by the way. It's the kind of ministry in which we actually face hard things. We've become this kind of community, right? We've become the kind of community that that does the fulfilling work of creating safe and honest space, but in order to become this kind of community, we've also had to accept the responsibility of shedding light and owning up. And this is really hard stuff. These are not the kind of tasks any church I have ever been a part of has actively taken on. So, coming here, is less of a comfort sometimes and more of a commitment, right? Because we don't say things like, if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. Or just have faith, as if it's just that simple. We just don't slap Bible verses on each other like Band-Aids. This beautiful place isn't our escape from the world. What brings us here to this place is a pull toward resurrection work, the work of new life. We come here week in and week out because many of us feel a deep sense of responsibility to be a part of this work, and our duty to face suffering and pain and injustice can be weighty and overwhelming, and damn it, y'all, I'm tired. <laughs> I need rest. What about you? I need more than a good night's sleep, more than a vacation, more than a retreat. I need Sabbath. Access to deep rest, divine rest. Doesn't that sound good? 
One beautiful little book has been good for my soul in this season. Some of you have heard of it. I know Preston has. It's called The Sabbath, written by Jewish theologian and rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. I put a quote in your guide from it. This book was published way back in 1951. And after all these years, it's still a classic in Jewish spirituality. And it can be helpful and inspiring to all of us, I think, regardless of our faith tradition. It's about the mysterious beauty and rhythm and meaning of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a concept so central, so sacred, so dear to Judaism, I wouldn't dare attempt to explain it in depth. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what it really means to the Jewish tradition. What I can say is, read this book, especially if you're someone who attempts to keep some kind of Sabbath regularly because it will provide a helpful understanding of its theological roots. I'm curious, who keeps, who tries to keep a Sabbath in here? Does anybody? You guys do, I can, t- you guys do it well. <laughs> Anyone else? I see some hands, yeah. What, how do you define it, if you could, in just a few words? Sabbath. Contemplation. Unplugging. Receiving. I always kind of just define it as rest. But I think no matter how we each personally define that concept, our approach to the actual practice of it must be informed by love. Anything informed by love will cause a shift in priorities, period. From a place of love, our understanding of Sabbath is more fleshed out and more alive to us, and from a place of love, we discover a need to keep the Sabbath. It becomes necessary to our faith practice. But what I'm discovering is that when love of God and love of neighbor inform our Sabbath understanding, it becomes not just about keeping it, but about giving it, too. We give the Sabbath. What if we looked at all our resurrection work, our activism, our social justice, bringing the kingdom of God to earth, as if we were actually sharing the healing gift of Sabbath with the world. So think about the woman in today's reading. Every day for 18 years, she was crippled by a spirit. We don't know exactly what this means, whether it was physical, emotional, spiritual, societal, or a mix of some or all. What we know is that she was in some kind of bondage. Her life was limited to the point where she was physically bent over. The spirit kept her from standing tall. She could not be her full self. And worst of all, she had no rest from it. But then, after 18 years of suffering, something really important happened. Someone saw her. Jesus saw her. So much of our spiritual practice and purpose boils down 
to learning to see, doesn't it? We are learning how to see God so that we can know God, so that we can recognize God in us, so that we are empowered in this world, so that we are empowered in our seeing. We are learning how to see. Part of this seeing involves expanding our line of vision. Every time we wake up to some injustice or see a need where we didn't see it before, we are expanding our line of vision. Our love-driven response to this, to expanding our line of vision, is empathy. It is divine seeing, seeing like God sees. It is caring about things outside ourselves, extending active empathy, even when we don't relate to it or don't really understand. And we need a spiritual lens so that we're equipped for resurrection work. So Jesus extended empathy to the woman in today's reading. First, he saw her. And even just taking notice of her created a domino effect of action. He saw her, he called her over, he laid his hands on her, he spoke healing words into her life. He healed her with his breath, with his touch, with his senses, with his physical body, showing us that we're capable of healing work too. When Jesus did these amazing things, included her, acknowledged her worth, lifted up her humanity, she was healed. She was set free. Being seen and valued set her free. Empathy set her free. Love set her free. This is all stuff we're capable of. And her response was to praise God. For me, this is a beautiful image of resurrection work. She had suddenly a new life before her. But here's what happened next. The religious leaders got offended. They got jealous They got mad, and even though Jesus is the one who initiated the interaction and performed the miracle, the woman's the one who gets the brunt of the anger. The religious leader in the story shames her publicly for something she didn't even do, and to make it worse, he blames her for even showing up on the Sabbath in the first place. He says, there's six days of work. Come on one of those days if you want to be cured. Not on this day. You're not welcome on this day. He is so obsessed with doctrine, with his own status, with his jealousy and frustration over Jesus' successful ministry. Without love, he literally does not see this woman, her livelihood, her worth in the eyes of God. He doesn't understand how to empathize with her need. He's not able to rejoice when she is freed. He's not moved that she now praises the same God he's so intent about honoring on the Sabbath. So as I mentioned, the Sabbath was and still is foundational and absolutely central to Judaism. And understanding this helps me to dole out a little bit of empathy to the religious leader in this story because he's trying to protect something sacred and precious. But Jesus would have found the Sabbath incredibly important as well. He wasn't just burning stuff down with his radical ways. He was a Jewish teacher himself. And the Sabbath is a tradition rooted in rest and communion with God, which we know Jesus highly valued. 
So we shouldn't take it lightly what it means that Jesus would defy the Sabbath in the synagogue, in front of everyone for the sake of a nameless, marginalized woman. This text and others like it are often read as if Jesus minimized the concept of the Sabbath, making it less necessary for us. But what if he didn't take away from it at all? What if he expanded it by pumping love into it? If we follow Jesus, we are in the business of this kind of resurrection work, the work of pumping love into the world. If we follow Jesus, we will often find ourselves doing this work in defiance of rules, traditions, and norms. And if we follow Jesus, we discover that this work is urgent. So let me say this again. Jesus extended empathy to the woman in today's reading. First, he saw her. He called her over. He laid his hands on her. He spoke healing words into her life. He set her free with everyone watching He essentially said, there is no time to waste. We will do this thing today, right now, on the Sabbath. Like your donkeys need water to live, like you need it, this woman needs, deserves, has a right to life. Because love informs everything. And sometimes the work of setting people free is more important than anything else, even our own rest. But we still need it, right? Even without all the theological background, we are able to understand that this idea of Sabbath keeping is important. We need a rest beyond what we can provide ourselves. Divine rest. It's not difficult to be convinced of this if you're a person of faith. But perhaps, woven into our understanding of Sabbath, should be an invitation to also extend it. To give the Sabbath to those in need of divine rest as well. Which begs the question, what societal constructs are keeping people from their rightful Sabbath? What isms and phobias do we need to dismantle because they do nothing but shame people from even entering the presence of God? What ego tendencies do we need to let go of personally so that we can get out of the way, so that others can have their God-given opportunity to be healed no life? In our tradition, we tend to define Sabbath mostly as rest or peace or stopping, stillness. And in this way, our definition is privileged, right? Because honestly, where is the rest for the people who are suffering? Where's the rest for the refugees at the border, for the black and brown men in our justice system? Where's the rest for the growing number of mass victim, mass shooting victims and their families, and where is the rest for our earth? How are we complicit? For the sake of all of those who are victims of injustice, we acknowledge that despite our own need for divine rest, we must continue the work. Sometimes it's just that urgent. But there is so much going on, not just in the world, but in our own lives. I recognize that. And there is already among us guilt and anxiety in the constant sense that we are helpless or not doing enough. And there's also a legitimate need for each of us to have rest and self-care. And I'm tired, remember? Aren't you? (laughs) Denai Guerrera, you may know her from The Walking Dead or Black Panther. She was interviewed for a magazine not too long ago, and she was quoted as saying this. 
I consider everything I do that involves any degree of advocacy or service to be self-care. Stepping out of myself to help others is also a way of taking care of my soul, quite honestly. I don't feel good about who I am if I'm not connected to a larger issue. When I read this, the first thing I thought of was that Beekner, Frederick Beekner quote that says something like, your call is to find the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I just had the thought, maybe we don't have to choose. <laughs> maybe it's both and. Perhaps one way to honor the Sabbath is to look toward the thing or things that feeds your soul and somehow helps the world. So today I just want to encourage you to find that intersection in your life. Perhaps you're already doing this and you just need a reminder. I think of uh, Preston and Fran who both put out books in the last year and those books were resu result of something that they were passionate about and something that fueled them. But there are also books that are helping healing in the world. What's your intersection? Maybe this is something you've thought of, maybe you haven't. But I believe that there is some kind of resurrection work that comes natural to each of us, that brings out the best of your passion, your personality, your creativity, change and evolve from time to time. It may require your time and your resources, but mysteriously, somehow, it still gives you energy. It gives you Sabbath, even while you extend. So today, I just wonder, what could that be for you in this season? It's a simple question that I ask you to think about this week. And remember that there is a well in us that runs deep, and it is filled with spirit. And just when we think we are done for, just when we think we can't take another step or endure one more thing, spirit somehow shows up for us. We can talk about it and around it all day. I can't explain it, but it's true. So my prayer is this. God, give us strength. Hold us in your truth, then pour us out. Empower us again and again and again, and help us in both keeping and giving your beautiful Sabbath gift. Amen.